0: Welcome to the Felicity Optimist versus Cynic podcast with us, your hosts, Melissa and Fish. This is a Felicity Rewatch podcast, so we'll watch an episode each week and join you here to talk all about it. Quick reminder, the reminder we always give, this is not a spoiler-free podcast, so if you don't want to have any possibility of hearing about things that come up in future episodes of Felicity, this might not be the place for you. But stick around, because we're all friends here. So, I'm Melissa, and I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Fish. Fish, how are you doing today?
1: I am wonderful today. How are you doing, Melissa?
0: I'm fantastic. We're friends. This, this episode is about friends. We're in the right place. <laughs> We're here today to talk about a lovely episode, Season 1, Episode 12, called Friends, originally aired January 26, 1999. This one was directed by Todd Holland. This one had a new writer, Gina Prince Bithwood, I don't know how you say her name, but nonetheless, she wrote it. And the description is after Felicity thinks she spots Blair kissing someone other than Elena, she decides to blow the whistle on him until she realizes the mystery vixen is Elena's best friend. Meanwhile, Julie learns the identity of her birth mother, of stuff going on here fish where do you want to begin
1: yeah there is a lot of stuff going on in this episode i like it because it seems like a check-in on a couple of different couples Uh and it kind of gives us where they're at and felicity sort of goes between them and we get to learn kind of what's going on with everybody and everyone has their own little story So I figured I'd just start with um, Ben and Julie, because I'm a little ambivalent about this one. I can kind of see things from both sides. So, you know, I just want to talk through it and get your take on it as well. Uh
0: So that's unfortunate, because I was going to say exactly the same thing to you. I was going to be like, Fish, I don't know what to make of this storyline. So what are your thoughts? (laughs) So we're just going to do this little cyclical, hey, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Um, Until we arrive at an answer.
1: How about that? I mean, I think that sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Um... All right. Well, I'll, I'll talk through my initial thoughts. I mean, what makes us so great is that the two of us, you know, usually each only have half a thought. And then when we put them together, we sometimes get the full thought.
0: Sometimes it gets becomes 1.5 thoughts and we don't know how it happened.
1: I mean, and sometimes it doesn't become yeah, a full thought. Also that. And uh well, sorry, listeners. So there's Just absolutely
0: happened. no consistency to our process and listeners, we can't guarantee anything. But here we are. Nope. Nope. Yeah.
1: Write in. Tell us how hmm. it
0: actually I would like that because I <laughs> <laughs> feel like um I'm at a little bit of a loss in this storyline. Uh, I guess I haven't had a ton of personal experience with the stuff Julie's dealing with, nor do I feel like I really know a lot of people who have. So it's, an, it's a really interesting dynamic between Julie and Ben right now. And I find both sides of it interesting because mm-hmm. uh, not just because of what they're dealing with now, but because of where they just came from. Ben has been in this... I guess maybe we would call it a protector role or helping Julie feel safe regarding the sexual assault. She just experienced a different situation, but it nonetheless put this dynamic between them where she was coming to him for comfort. He was being that guy who was a safe space for her. A relationship has been forming from it, but that was the foundation of it really. And so she's coming back to him now having found she thinks her birth mom and or at least she, you know, an investigator found the person who they believe is her birth mom. And we know that she came to school in New York to find her birth mom or to be closer to her birth mom. So it's putting up some red flags for Ben. It, you know, he's looking at the situation thinking she's really just still coping with this last trauma that she had and, this is a really risky situation and there's a lot of potential for her to get hurt. And so he's being ultra protective and almost, you know, they, their relationship is almost built on the damsel in distress foundation now. Um, so it's interesting to see where this is going. And I can't decide what I think about how how, how Ben's handling it.
1: Yeah, I'm a little bit in the same boat. I mean, Julie is seemingly ecstatic. I mean, almost I'd say manic when (laughs) she, you know, has this PI who she's hired find her mom and her whole body, you know, is kind of bouncing around the place and And it's interesting because she's sharing this with Ben. And the first thing he says is, you know, you didn't even tell me that you were hiring a PI. So already as it kind of kicks off, you've got this kind of weird dynamic between the two of them. Mm -hmm. She's super excited about someone who she kind of says, doesn't even really care whether she's her mom or not. Um, She she cares, but she's just accepting the fact, you know, she's not looking for any proof Mm -hmm. and beyond what this PI has said. And Ben, I think, is trying to be very supportive in a, you know, kick-glove kind of way. You know, he's he's calming to her, which I think is a good thing because she needs it right now.
0: Yeah, I have keeping Julie calm in my notes. That's like his sole job. In the beginning yeah.
1: of this episode and then she needs it uh because she's just she's everywhere um she she it, i mean he is asking about proof and being very practical about this and looking to not necessarily solve a problem um but as the episode goes on he he has a lot of thoughts about maybe what she should be doing and he brings them up slowly and carefully and explains that he's trying to protect her um he does make a bad joke kind of calling her a hooker yeah point
0: did not age well
1: (laughs) no that was that was unfortunate
0: yeah, he gives her money for a cab fare, and she's like, "I should pay you back." And he just kisses her and is like, "That paid me back." It's like, "Ooh, gross." Yeah,
1: yeah. not yeah. okay. Not okay.
0: Not meant in a gross way, but boy, did that read badly. Going yes. in this day and age, and looking back at it.
1: Hmm. Um. I will say, Julie had an amazing realization, like a self-realization, on her own part. Um. She realized that her hairstyle is that of a 12-year-old girl, which mm-hmm. it is. Um, and I am not supportive of Ben supporting her hair, but he it's does. for the
0: mini butterfly clips. Yeah.
1: Does anyone remember those? I, mean, I, I remember know.
0: them. I was, a, I was more of a fan of the bigger butterfly clips. I've got yeah. a lot of hair. Something yeah, needs to me keep too. it in check.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, mine always was way too thick for the mini, the mini clips, but she uses like 12 of them. Mm-hmm. So you know, all right. Um, I mean, it's very nice that he comes with her, you know, and I guess earlier on in the episode and towards the middle, you know, I I was getting this sense that she was kind of being, I don't want to say ungrateful, but she was kind of snapping at him, And he was being so supportive. And that was the reaction I was having until they were sitting down together. And, you know, Julie's trying to write this letter. And she's coming off as cold and annoyed. And she's hiding the letter from him. And he sits down and suggests that she write a letter. And you know, she looks at him and says, you know, thank you for being there for me, but this is my problem. And what you're doing is, it sounds like what she's saying is what you're doing is kind of questioning what's going on with my process. And it's creating a lot of anxiety for me. Mm -hmm. And I don't need that right now. Now, we can go back and forth on whether she actually needs that right now. Um, and he, he says, well, you know, I'm trying to protect you after everything you've been through. She says, get out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> get out.
0: <And> he, <laughs> that she um, does. It's such an interesting conversation to me, though, because he, uh, the way that you're reading him is that he's been supportive and he's been protective. And I agree with that. And I wonder if sometimes it's bordering into the condescending, you know, at one point in one of their first scenes, I think when he was holding up the toaster for her to look into and fix her hair, he says, you know, what if basically he, he opens up the idea of what if she, the birth mom rejects her.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And he said something like, how are you going to be able to deal with that?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it almost felt like he was questioning her capacity to deal with it. And so what he was doing. Yeah. I, but I don't know if that comes across as just insulting, like when you want to be supportive and I get where that was coming from. I get that that was coming from a place of she's dealing with trauma number one. And now this is potential, maybe not trauma, but danger number two and a big one. You know, this is, this is why she came to New York to begin with, to meet this, possibly this person. And so he's nervous about what the outcome will be. He doesn't know if she can handle it, but I don't know if you phrase it quite like that when you're telling the person, you know, it's like, you want to pump them up and make them feel strong and help them find their way, but maybe not tell them, I don't know if you're up for this. Um, so, so the it's, question
1: is, what if you don't think they're up for it? What do you do? Ah. And I mean, that's why I think it's such a gray area because in, I mean, Ben does not have any experience with this,
2: Mm -hmm. you
1: know? So he doesn't know exactly what she's going through, but he sees her getting really excited and he knows how important this is to her. And he is seeing some pitfalls, a lot of pitfalls with her just being so invested in this and not questioning things like, is it even really her? Like, where? how did this guy find her so quickly? Is it, what if she doesn't want to talk to you? So I think these, I think this is kind of a theme throughout this episode is just having difficult conversations. Mm -hmm. And often there just isn't the perfect way to have a conversation. So I give him a lot of credit for for having a calming presence and for being supportive in whatever way he thinks he can be so just coming with her um you know raising a few concerns that he sees even though you know she pushes back on that and and gets kind of mad about it the reason she says she's mad about it does seem a little bit like she just doesn't want to hear that there might be any problems. Yeah. And she comes back and and she does apologize later, I I think maybe for snapping at him, but...
0: Well, she just comes to the door and says, sorry, and he lets her in. And I don't think we saw anything else from them after that. Uh, yeah. In that particular scene to know what specifically she apologized for. I mean, yeah, she's... Um, she's she's anxious and she's on edge and she, like you said, it comes off a little bit manic and maybe she's seeing that, you know, she's shutting Ben out and asking for help and then shutting him out again. And it's a yo-yo effect for him. And I don't know. I don't know how far she went in that apology and what specifically she was apologizing for, but yeah, I think I think the the nature of the conversation we're having is pretty much why I'm so uncertain about about this story and about where they're headed here and about you know who because I, there isn't a right way to do this and there isn't a right way to be there I guess although again I think this is where I would love for any listeners who have thoughts on this to jump in and like maybe there is a right way to do this I don't know um, he's. He, the red flags are flying for Ben and he is very cautious about this and Julie is not. And there's a concern in that.
1: Yeah. And I guess I, I don't, I can't understand or empathize with Julie in this case. Um, I, so I, never met my birth father, my biological father, Mm -hmm. and I've never had any interest. I mean, just zero interest. And I, all these questions that she's talking about saying that something's missing, you know, looking at her physical features, her love of music, her metabolism, kind of where these things came from. Like that has just never been a consideration for me. I, have like nothing is missing. (laughs) I've never looked for him. I assume he's never looked for me and that's all good. So I, I've heard a lot of people talk about this, um, especially if they're adopted, um, looking for both of their birth parents and I don't know, it's just never been something I could connect to. So I don't, I don't have any sense of I get it's important to her, but I don't really know why. And I I don't know how Ben or anyone else would best support her, given that this is something that she wants to do.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think it's helpful to hear her thoughts when she records the tape. I, I also think it was an interesting gesture that she goes to Felicity's room and asks Felicity about her process of creating tapes for Sally and why she does that. And, and Felicity says, you know, I don't censor myself when I speak the way that I do when I write. And Julie was just dealing with that. She was just trying to write letters and feeling like she couldn't do it. And So this sounds like an approach worth trying. She gets that tape recorder from Felicity and we hear her leave this this tape. And it was a long scene and it really put you in her head and it really helped you understand what what she was thinking from the amount of information she had in that moment. You know, this was all the years up until this point of thoughts that she was trying to convey in a simple tape message. And like you said, seeing herself reflected in someone else was a need that she expressed having. She just she she's basically bargaining with this parent she'd never met or possible parent she'd never met and saying, you know, I don't want anything from you. I just want to know where I came from, is all. Uh you know, it's she was trying to make it sound as simple as possible. And it probably isn't really all that simple. And she says, thank you for my life at the end, which is, you know, something that I guess she wanted to express. I think there's probably, those are probably the thoughts that are top of mind for her. And there's probably a whole ocean of thoughts underneath that. And, you know, what comes out as simple in that tape may not be that simple in practice.
1: Yeah. I I mean, she does say, do you think about me? And I think that is definitely an indication that maybe she is looking for something a little bit more Mm
2: -hmm. than
1: she And she says, you know, I just want to meet you once, like one time. And that's all Mm -hmm. Um, doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't quite seem like the complete truth.
0: Yeah, it sounds like the easiest introductory version of how to leave a tape for this person. But there's so, so much under the surface. And she's just opening up this potential can of worms. And it's a scary thing. It's, it's, it's something that she obviously feels that she needs to do. She, she moved to New York for this reason, because she wants to be closer to her birth parents or her birth mother. And so this is a really important project for her, but now it's here. And she's dealing with it in a more real way. And so it's going to bring up for her, emotions that she never felt around this topic before. And Ben is the one who's there just to witness it firsthand.
1: Yes, but it does bring up, um, our second, uh, Fraser cast member sighting, oh. uh, the wonderful Jane Kaczmarek, who also played the mother on Malcolm in the Middle.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, she played this uh, lady cop in, and that's how she's referred to in Fraser as a lady cop. Mm-hmm. And um, she ends up, not to ruin Fraser for you guys, but it's one episode. Uh, she ends up being interested in Fraser's father and not him. Wow. Um, so, right. Um, she's <laughs> wonderful. I love her. She's fantastic. Uh, but I am a little concerned about. Julie taking this internship application. Mm-hmm. This seems like it's, it's like we're not done.
0: Yeah, so Felicity, oops, sorry not Felicity. Julie goes to the Carol Anderson. this person's name is Carol Anderson, goes to her office, and it turns out that it's a firm owned by or you know she's a partner in this architecture firm. and so Julie goes with the tape in hand with the intent of going and delivering it, I guess, in person to a stranger, which feels like a big move. Uh, <laughs> who are you and why are you giving me this tape? feels like it would come up if you deliver it in person. But nonetheless, that is why she is there. She gets into the office. She finds out where Carol Anderson office office is. And we have the slow-mo effect come back in, which I think it's been a little while since we've seen it. But earlier in the season, we were talking about how important the use of slow-mo was when characters or when a character looks at another character and is really seeing them and is really having a moment. And that person is really important to them. We see the rest of the world sort of drift away. And that happens for Julie here. And I can't remember if we've ever seen that happen for Julie before.
1: This might be the first. Not that I remember um i think we've only seen it with felicity sort of her view of ben
0: Mm -hmm.
1: we've seen it for anyone else besides ben
0: i think it's happened with no looking at felicity i know it happened in boggle oh
1: yeah yeah
0: um You know, this is a technique that they've used on more than one character. I'm pretty sure we haven't seen it used with Julie. So that goes to show you the level of importance of this possible relationship in her life. And then when she sees this possible birth mother right in front of her, and she's pulled out of that moment by the receptionist or, you know, that uh, Carol Anderson's assistant asking her what she's there for. She, instead of delivering the tape, she takes an internship application, which we can imagine she will fill out. And, you know, she didn't go for there for the purpose that she wanted, but this may be another way to get the thing that she wanted of starting to find out, is this person her mother? Is this person, does this person have some of the similarities to Julie that she thought maybe she would have? Um, This is perhaps a chance to get to know her without having to give up the whole farm here.
1: Yeah, this does not seem like a good idea. I mean, if if you're approaching someone sort of lying your way into their life to check them out, Mm -hmm. I just can't imagine it's going to end well. Like at the end of that, does the person who's been kind of tricked ever turn around and go, it's so wonderful. You're here now. This has been a fantastic experience. Like, I don't know that I've ever seen that. happen. It's a dangerous setup.
0: That's for sure. It could go awfully wrong. And also, so could having delivered the tape to her. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, every, there's, I think a, there's every situation a level here has danger for Julie.
1: Yeah, there's a level of distance between sending someone a tape or I I thought she was going to give the tape to uh, Carol's assistant and then Mm -hmm. just leave. Um, So there's a level of distance between writing a letter or even a phone call and signing up to work with someone on a daily basis as an intern. Mm -hmm. That's a whole other level of, is everyone just stalking everyone? In this show, maybe is that what's happening? Is this just just a show about people stalking other people?
0: Hey, stay tuned for next episode. <laughs> oh, no. I need to tell you. Um, yeah, uh, this is well, I don't know. This was an opportunity that was presented to her out of the blue that she wasn't expecting. She didn't go there with this intention. We don't see her actually submit the application, but we do see her flirting with the idea of taking it. So this is a new path that's been presented to her and one that allows her to scope the situation out and maybe decide if she wants to actually make the approach in the future. Do do I justify this? No, I don't know what to do with Julie's storyline, really. Um, You know, it's just so hard. It's, It's hard because Julie found this person through a private investigator because the adoption agency wouldn't tell her who who the mother was because only if the mother was looking for her would they tell her that information. So what full, what Julie does know is that this woman has not been looking for her, mm-hmm. and if that's this woman or some other person, that person still isn't looking for her. So I think there's baked in disappointment coming up here, regardless, and you know, it's it's not going to be smooth, this process. So, you know, on the one hand, there is in a way more protection for Julie, because if she is an intern and nothing more, she can see this woman in action, maybe gather some clues as to, is this in fact the person? If this person is a jerk, she could decide to say nothing. Um, you know, she can gather some information about her, her character. And if Julie actually goes into this thinking, all I want is to see myself reflected in some somebody else. Well, she's going to get that, even just seeing her at the office door, but certainly as an intern. So in a way, um, there's a distance that she's creating for herself here by basically going deep cover. And, you know, had she just delivered the truth in front full form to this stranger there is a sensitivity to that there is no protection for her she basically puts it out there and hopes for the best with no information so i guess for her she's thinking i'm going to gather some intel and i guess now that i'm saying gather some intel there is a bit of a detective theme that happens a couple places in this episode so maybe that's something they were running with
1: yeah i mean i can I don't know. I guess I'll just wait to see what happens because I guess it, it seems to me like she actually wants a relationship
0: mm-hmm.
1: she's not saying it, but it seems like that's what she wants and
0: not saying it. And I don't know if she knows that she's thinking it.
1: Yeah. And she's saying, I don't think she has a lot of confidence in the, in the process. Mm-hmm. Which is probably why she's choosing to go this way. Mm -hmm. Because if she had confidence in the process, I don't, I still don't think this is a good way to meet someone. If Mm -hmm. you actually expect the outcome to be a long-term relationship. Yeah. If you don't expect that to be the outcome and you want to just find out as much information as you can before it gets kind of shut down, then yeah. this is the way to go, but, um,
0: well, I guess really at the root of it is the question. Okay. If we think that she wants a relationship with this person, if we are interpreting that, does she have enough self-awareness to know that that's what she really wants? Even though she's asking for something that sounds a lot simpler, you know, in theory, what she said in her tape was her stream of conscious, like the, the, these are the things she says when she's uncensored, but I do think there's a layer under it, a a huge layer under it. (laughs) Like There's a lot to unpack in that layer. And I don't know if she realizes any of it is there. So she may be going into this situation of filling out an internship application thinking all I need is to see her in action, not have the conversation and that would be fine. Or if she really thinks I know that I want something more here and I'm hoping this will become something where we're on better terms. Um, It's so hard to know how much she's told herself.
1: Yeah. And, you know, another person who doesn't know how much she's told herself is Ben, who's trying to support her in this. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the reasons he's probably having a hard time figuring out what to say.
0: I I don't blame him. I don't blame him. I, he, it, it it comes across weird. It, I, I don't know how, you know, how much he's supposed to say, it, you know, it, I just don't know how, where the limits are for him here because... If Julie feels like his questions are equal, not being supportive, she's going to get angry with him. You know, she'll, she'll transfer her anger to him, even if it's misplaced or even if it is. So kind of regardless, he's on eggshells right now. And that's just kind of where he is. And he is accepting that that's where he's going to be for a little while. He's going to try to wade through figuring out what support looks like. And hopefully, you know, he'll make the support sound not like judgment or, uh, feeling like she's not competent to make these decisions, but uh, he dips into that area a couple times in this episode. Like you said, maybe that's fair. You know, if you saw somebody going into this and you were truly worried and you didn't know that they could handle it, how would you alert them to that danger? Uh, so I I think this episode, for me, there's definitely a theme around using lies to protect people and at what point you tell the truth. And I think that that comes up here. Um, You know, Ben is a lot more straightforward with Julie than we've seen some of the other storylines. But for me, that's just one angle to this theme.
1: Yeah, I mean, we can talk about Felicity. Mm-hmm. She also has a difficult conversation to either have or not. But, you know, I, I just really enjoyed how she introduced this topic to Noel, <laughs> where she gives absolutely no explanation and just says to him, so if one of your friends saw me making out with someone else, and of course his head explodes immediately. <laughs>
0: all over Dean and DeLuca. <laughs> yes.
1: Everywhere. Gone. Does not know what is happening. is completely flustered. She does not help him out at all. She just <laughs> keeps saying the word hypothetical.
0: No, I mean hypothetically. If one of your friends saw me kissing a hypothetical a hypothetical guy, who? Who are you kissing? Yeah. Uh, hi, it's hypothetical. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. But his brain had already exploded at that point. So gone. there was no part of his brain left to be able to absorb the word hypothetical.
1: Nope. Nope. In fact, he was so flustered that he admitted to everyone that he has, you know, lip kissed his mom. <laughs>
0: yes.
1: I mean, it was an accident.
0: It was an accident. But it happened. Yeah, it did happen yep (laughs) he just has these stories he has these stories that this is like in that episode where where everybody was comparing traumas they had experienced when felicity gets held up at gunpoint and he says something about like a homeless guy push push, yeah i pushed him over once and ruined his birthday cake and it was just like well what sort of just how how where do these stories come from they're just right at his fingertips and they're never quite right uh, <laughs>
2: oh.
0: It's good stuff, though. I like the fact that you yourself just dove in with that anecdote because you also skipped the entire setup of it, which is where I Noel did. was in that moment. Yep. And so that felt really appropriate to me to mirror for anybody who's listening to us what Noel would have been feeling in that moment.
1: Oh, you have no idea what's happening. And I just thought I'd tell you that uh, Noel made out with his mom. You're welcome. So-
0: you're yeah, thank you. Uh, I, I appreciate it. I'm sure all of us do. Uh, I'll speak on, on behalf of everybody who's listening and saying we're we're grateful for you. Um, let's dial back a little bit here and look at what happened to lead to this moment. So the episode opens with Felicity walking around the stacks. She sees some guy in the seat where, I guess Felicity and Noel had been making out. Uh, during the finally episode. And this guy that she meets is sort of a, a savant mm-hmm. of, of sorts. And I asked myself, is he the every fish? Because <laughs> <laughs> Please explain. He, this guy, <laughs> oh, I'll explain. Here we go. So he is a savant for remembering people. By every single article of clothing that they're wearing and especially people who have had some sort of uh attack against him (laughs) like sitting in his space or being in his sphere so if he sees you and he's annoyed by you he's going to catalog every single thing that you're wearing judge it and repeat it and your hair or lack of hair and repeat Mm -hmm. it back and he's going to do it in, you know, this uh, kind of robotic way. Well, I thought to myself, who do I know? <laughs> <laughs> who
1: I have no idea notices and
0: critiques every article of clothing that every character wears. And I thought, that's got to be Fish. So I'm wondering, Fish, when you saw this guy, what were your thoughts? Well, Was he the every fish?
1: Okay so i actually i like him he's been on a couple of sitcoms that i have enjoyed (laughs) so i just like him as an actor but you know he didn't have much to work with here and he made the most of it Mm -hmm. and i very much enjoyed his cataloging of what people wore my thought was he the first thing he mentions is that beautiful lavender sweater that she was wearing that set off her eyes and was a great choice It is not what she wears in this episode, which is we see her in this brown sweater with, like, brown pants and these giant cloggy shoes. So I am just saying, yes, I enjoyed that he cataloged what she wore, and that's how he remembers people. I feel a certain kinship with him. Um, I appreciate you calling us both savants. (laughs) <laughs> and he he becomes very um, vital to the story.
0: He's pivotal. Yeah. He's very important. We see him a couple times. He moves the story forward significantly both times. So, yeah. you know, let's hear it for him. And I'm glad to hear that you relate. Uh, so listeners, I'm just going to call him the every fish because I don't know his name.
1: We don't know his name. Yeah, That's true.
0: Uh, and he doesn't know anybody else's name either for that matter so that seems to be fair he just knows them by the things they wear and their hair or lack of hair and so why do we mention this well here's why so she meets this guy and stumbles upon him in the stacks and he is kind of sour he's a little salty with her because she had been sitting in his spot with noel making out during finals week Mm -hmm. and he remembers them. He's describing Noel. He's describing Felicity. And when she hears him talk about Noel's ring, she's like, oh, you're talking about me and Noel. Cause he's literally just describing th- their appearance and not the situation. So she says, oh, you're Noel and me making out in the stacks. And so he says, yeah, you were in my spot. And so he points to some people across the room who said, now they're in my spot. They took my new spot. I I got a new spot because of you. And now they're in my new spot. So she turns around she looks and sees Blair and somebody else kissing. Not Elena. It is not Elena. And that is the most important thing to know. Blair is kissing somebody who is not Elena. And that leaves Felicity with a quandary for pretty much the whole episode of what do you do with this? Do you talk to Elena about it? Do you tell her who, what's going on here? Uh, we, she grappled some episodes back with the idea of whether to be a Budinsky or not. And when it was right to be a Budinsky. And I felt like that whole thing came up again in a big way here of, you know, at what point do you step in? So that's what she's dealing with here.
1: And why she freaked Noel out because she was asking for his opinion, uh, which Surprisingly, she took. I did not expect that at all. I mean, I figured at some point she would butt in. And she really, I mean, she held back. And seems like she has learned a little bit about not just blurting out the truth. Maybe she's learning from Noel, you know, given that he's talking about kissing his mom. She's like, oh, do I sound like that? And just holding, holding back a little bit. Yeah. so she uh,
0: this thing is going to come out one way or the other maybe she's going to let it unfold on its own time in fact at one point she's I believe she was talking to Sally on a tape and was saying, you know, can I be totally sure it was him? know, yeah, They say eyewitness testimony is really unreliable anyway. And maybe that's what's happening with me and Blair pushes it further in that direction. He does every single thing he possibly can do to gaslight Felicity when he runs into her. in was it the mailroom?
1: Yeah. Um, I don't believe what Felicity was saying on the tape at all.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: She
1: knows it was Blair. She knows it was yeah. him. And he just pulls a shaggy. I mean, he's like, wasn't me.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and then he's like, oh, so you see the back of my head and you think that I must be, you see the back of somebody's head and you think it must be me. It's like, wow, this guy is going to some lengths to make her
1: unseen. I mean, he goes further than that. He Hmm. says, You see the back of some brother's head yeah, and you just assume it's me.
0: And that's even taking it to another place where it's like he and he did it and he knows she knows he did it. So it's like he's doing anything he can do here to, I don't know, get her to question herself or invalidate her um, to make her seem like the bad person if she speaks up. I mean, it was not a good look for Blair.
1: It was not. And go back and look at that scene where Felicity is watching Blair and Elena and they're just talking to each other. And he Blair comes over and sits on the corner of Elena's seat and gives her a kiss. And he raises his head up and he looks and he sees Felicity and Felicity sees him. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the expression that maybe they were going for was maybe guilty or maybe I don't know what they were going for but what they got was evil I mean he looked just pissed off and like, like I expected ominous music to start
0: yeah and also worth noting in that scene he gives her a kiss, but he also gives it, does he give her candy? Does he give her, I thought it was maybe, I a pack of M&Ms. maybe M&M's. Yeah. yeah look like maybe peanut M&M's yeah. and okay. So we're having the right, same theory here. He's kind of love bombing Elena mm-hmm. throughout this episode because he has something to make up for, you know, mm-hmm. like whether or not she knows it in that moment, he's done something slimy Felicity knows it he's trying to make up for it but I'm not sure he'd be trying to make up for it if Felicity didn't know about it
1: I don't know but I mean it's made all the worse because the girl that he's making out with is you know they they said in the intro Elena's best friend Right. I mean, they they're clearly great friends
0: from before college, from before college. They know each other. Yeah.
1: They have like their own dance moves. They've made up to different songs. I mean, this is a long time friendship. Tara was in the hospital with Elena when her mother was dying. I mean, this is solid friendship.
0: Mm-hmm. And she's apparently transferred into school out of nowhere. um And by the way, this is just a little pet peeve of mine in this episode. Tara's name is pronounced two different ways by Elena in this yep. episode. I noticed. Oh, <laughs> it kills me every time because Elena Tara, says Tara every Tara. time, except for the one time she says Tara, but it's a really yep. important scene when she says Tara, and it just grinds my gears. <laughs> so.
2: I did
1: notice it. I. I wasn't sure if maybe somebody else was saying Tara earlier. I hadn't remembered it was Elena both times. I was like, wait, didn't someone else call her Tara?
0: No, Elena calls her Tara multiple times in the episode. And then just in that one really important moment, she calls her Tara. And it's like, you made this decision, (laughs) Angie Miller. Oh, could somebody have just taken the other take (laughs) where she said the name correctly? I would have liked that. Um, you know, yeah. surely they shot this more than once. <laughs> and <laughs> not. if they didn't, they could have gone into ADR afterwards and had her bank a couple taras <laughs> so they could fix it. This is this is an easily fixable problem, it seems to me. But in any, in any event,
1: that is our rant from an optimist.
0: That was my rant For from an optimist. Elena does not know how to pronounce the name of her best friend. Um, It's true.
1: It's true. But I love how Elena deals with this. I mean, it, to me, it seems so Elena. She, you know, Blair clearly thinks that Felicity is going to tell her it is, it is going to come out. And so he has preemptively told Elena that Felicity saw some mistaken kind of weird mist cheek to lips kiss that occurred. And Elena's like, no, mm -mm, no, Mm -hmm. everybody in the same room, I'm shutting the door. I want the truth out of all of you. I want you to show me what you're talking about. Is that what you saw Felicity? Like she is getting to the bottom of this.
0: Yeah, she, I put in my notes, Elena's trial. She's (laughs) basically holding a trial in her room. She locks everybody down. (laughs) She is the only jury (laughs) and judge and she gets witnesses or just one. And she needs to see exhibit A, which is the actual way the kiss transpired. And then she wants to know from Felicity, is this what you saw? And Felicity, as you might imagine, walking into that room, feels some dread. She's feeling a little anxious about being called in to be the only testifying witness in this trial.
1: And, you know, she kind of does walk back what she originally said. She says, you know, maybe they did have this missed kiss moment. I mean, it happened between Noel and his mom
0: surely it could happen here too if it can happen to between you know, nolan and his mom thank goodness for that anecdote coming up again yeah
1: that was so useful. i think what we've learned from this episode is that nolan his mom like to kiss
0: that's the only conclusion we can make from what we've yes. heard so far mm-hmm. yep. so you know because felicity walks it back and she does not do so in a way that feels confident you know she's her walking it back sounds reluctant. There's a lot of holes in that theory for Elena, but Elena wants to believe that her best friend and her boyfriend aren't just hooking up behind her back. So Elena kind of wants to run with this answer and she's thankful to Felicity for coming in and confirming it. And, you know, if you can't trust your friends, who can you trust? And this is, she's sort of patting Felicity on the back for, lying because uh, Felicity knows what she saw and she's just trying not to hurt people in this situation and
1: on Noel's advice which was look you know once his brain exploded and he managed to like pack some of it back in his head what he came up with was if somebody saw you making out with someone else I would not want to know about it I just mm-hmm. want to stay in the dark,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so don't tell them. Yeah, and so this is the advice she's getting, <sighs> and she's taking it.
0: Yeah, and it's tricky, right? Elena's Elena's a different person than Noel, and and whether that advice was good to begin with, I don't know. Uh, it's probably not how I would operate in the real world, but this is what she's trying to do. Everybody seems satisfied enough coming out of that room with this answer, and. Blair's going to continue to love bomb Elena. He's going to gift her concert tickets so that they can just go and bob their heads and not have to talk to each other and just sort of be with each other. And you know, Elena's still kind of cool with him. You know, she's she still has that image of him and Tara not you know not pulling away right away um, in her head, and it's bothering her. But she is she's willing to cope with it up until we get back to the library and felicity is really feeling this nag at her you know elaine is really encouraging her for being such a great friend and telling the truth and felicity's sitting there like oh well, i didn't tell the truth and so she does her next round of detective work and i love that this little like noir detective music comes on in the background and you you get the the cello and the saxophone and she goes back up (laughs) to where that savant guy is and she's like he can probably tell me if he'd ever seen those people kissing before and she goes up she says hey you he starts calling her by her outfits again and She says, yeah, those people that you were telling me about the other day, have you ever seen them here before? He's like, yep, three times. They've been there three times, kissing in my spot. And so Felicity knows beyond a shadow of a doubt (laughs) that Elena's got a problem. And Mm -hmm. it's really hard to unsee this now.
1: Yeah, and Elena, she was interesting. Because she actually thanks Felicity for staying out of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And when she talks about Tara and Blair, it's like she forgives Tara and mm-hmm. m- sort of more so than Blair. Mm-hmm. And we all know that Felicity can't stay out of it. She can't. Mm-hmm. So chemically
0: <laughs> not wired to do so. No. Um uh-uh. mm-hmm.
1: and you know, Elena says, like, "If you can't trust your friends," and she's talking about Tara. She is not talking about Felicity, who she's kind of just met. I mean, mm-hmm. this is not a lifelong friend. Mm-hmm. And Felicity takes it personally because everything is about Felicity, mm-hmm. um, and decides she's going to go sleuthing, and then she's going to come back and she's going to tell Elena the truth. So. Now, not only has she kind of lied at first, now she's going to go ahead and tell the truth. And I get that it's a tough conversation for her, but I mean, she what, what Elena says is, if you had come to me and told me that Blair was kissing somebody else, I wouldn't have believed Blair and Tara when they told me it wasn't real, mm-hmm. which it wasn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, which it was. So she's. I don't know if her. I
0: interpreted it that way. Let's see. I feel like I thought she was saying she wouldn't have believed Felicity.
1: Oh, see, I wasn't sure what I was hearing. There. Okay, so. We might have to go back and and listen to
2: that. Yeah, that
0: might be worth a new listen for all of us. But my my take on it was that if Felicity had from the get-go told Elena, this is what I saw, that Elena would have either been defensive or not believed Felicity and that it would have been their relationship that was damaged because of it.
1: Which is kind of what happens when Felicity tries to tell the truth.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate, right? But also understandable. Felicity comes back from seeing this guy confirm it for her. She goes back down to sit with Elena again. And she says, you know what? It seems as though they've been doing this regularly. And Elena lashes out at Felicity. Again, she's transferring her anger from the people who really deserve it to the messenger who this is not the first time in the history of the universe, something like this has been done. It's hurtful to Felicity. She wishes they were better friends than this, but at the end of the day, she empowered Elena with the the truth of what the situation was. Elena was hurt by it.
1: Mm-hmm. And Elena, I mean, she's hurt. She's mad, but she's not stupid. I mean, Elena, Elena is anything but stupid. And she sits back and she watches Tara or Tara and Blair, you know, (laughs) have their little conversations and smiles and kind of look aways. And she decides to be the next person playing detective. Mm
0: -hmm. She sets a trap.
1: Yes. She sets a trap. She says, can't go to the can't go to the jazz club. Sorry, but you should go. You know, I'm going to be in the lab all night. Zero point zero, 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 zero chance. You are going to get caught if you go out with my friend to this club.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So then of course she enlists sort of sheepishly the uh, person she knows is the best at stalking the <laughs> stalking expert oh no um, as we will He's gone there yeah of course um she goes to back to find felicity because she needs a friend and she needs someone to teach her where to stand how not to get noticed how to maybe get a pint of blood
0: i mean and... how to, you had to go there fish i mean <laughs> be, look she <laughs> she went to Felicity because Felicity is the only person who told her the truth in this situation. Felicity is a good friend is what Mm -hmm. is happening here. I, I, you're taking Mm -hmm. it to a different place. I know you're still scarred (laughs) by the pilot episode and maybe the first couple episodes, but I think that you need
1: to defend her. I know. I understand.
0: look, she, she's come a long way since then, that Felicity. And this is the person who Elena's not gonna have to give her the backstory on the way to go to what is it station four this club I think that's what the name of the jazz club was. She, you okay. know, she's not gonna have to walk with Felicity and be like, okay, so this happened, then this happened and this happened. Oh. And, this happened <laughs> and now I'm doing this because I want to see if he like she doesn't have to give that whole bit with Felicity. There's now a shorthand. And in all
1: fairness, I don't think Elena would have given anybody the backstory. I think she would have walked in silence with anybody and not explained it uh-huh. but felicity does know she is a friend she also had some like amazing post spooning hair um uh-huh. because i do this too with my hair when like both you and i have a lot of hair yeah and when you lay down especially like on your back or mostly on your back You always flip your hair up, yes, right above the pillow because otherwise you're laying on this like pile of hair that's like tickling your neck and stuff. Anyway, Mm -hmm. another thing just based in reality about this show that is exactly how people with a lot of hair sleep and what it looks like when they wake up. Okay, fantastic!
0: Yeah, so we're just here to tell you what's real, and that's one of the real things. Mm Uh, brought to you by the Everyfish. Yep. So, yes. Okay. Yep. Okay.
1: Hair fantastic. Love it. So she wants her friend and she needs to, she needs to see. She needs to see what's happening. So she and Felicity find a dark alley and hide sort of behind a car in a shadow and scope out the, uh, the exit to this club.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the end of the show, Blair comes out and they have this moment, the, you know, I thought it was shot very well where he comes out, he's kind of on this stairwell that is leading out of the club. And he's the first one to come out. He's leaning against the railing. And for a moment, Elena thinks maybe he went alone and you can see the sort of almost pride in her face which is immediately dissipated when she sees Tara slash Tara come right behind him, you know, a few seconds later, and not just to stand next to him, but to wrap her arms around him from behind. This is not the posture of a person who went to the jazz club as a friend. And it's abundantly clear from just a moment and Elena's whole face crumbles.
1: Yeah. And then that's, that's the end. They play this this song, which we know probably isn't the original, but it has this perfect timing of the line "Lie to me," mm-hmm. just as she's watching this happen. Yeah. Which, of course, you know, I think being Elena, she really doesn't want to be lied to, but it's kind of a you know heartbreaking sort of song at that moment. Um, When maybe you're thinking, would have been better if I hadn't known this, but you had to know. Uh, I actually really, so this is something about the show that I really appreciate. We are watching a certain group of people, and the the show is shot from their perspective. So we feel Elena in this situation. Mm -hmm. I feel like there are so many shows out now. Where we are supposed to empathize with the cheaters.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, it is constant because love triangles are a thing. I mean, they're all I mean, they're in this show, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of what we're looking at now is two friends and two people. So three people, two are dating, and two are friends, and then you know, the two people who aren't dating fall in love with each other. Mm-hmm. And you're supposed to have this empathy for them where it's like, how do we tell this other person? We don't want to hurt them. Like maybe there's some kisses here and there, but they're trying to hold back, but they can't. And all this, we're seeing everything out of their eyes. And it just takes so much effort on my part to, to the care, sorry, to care about the people who were cheating,
0: you it know, depends and their for struggles. Me. It depends for me when it's a situation. So the times when I've seen it where I can empathize are the times when the relationship between those people actually predated the relationship with this actual significant other. Like when there are shows or movies where it's like okay, but actually this person swooped in after they knew those two people were kind of a little bit flirting and into each other. Um, When when people get it murky like that, I find it more interesting and I find it a lot more complex. In this situation, they really didn't give any room for that. Like, yes, we're seeing it from Elena's point of view. So we're going to be sympathetic with her, but I don't see how there's a universe where they would have made... The Tara and Blair story sympathetic because Tara just transferred in. She's only been at this school for a minute. And if Elena and Tara are really that good friends, I would presume that Elena has had conversations with Tara about Blair. And you know, I have no reason to believe that Tara knew Blair before this. Tara swooped in and stole her man. (laughs) like that is it I don't I don't really see any way to concoct some other storyline out of this that makes her sympathetic in this situation or him
1: well that's what we're given and I appreciate that I don't want to sympathize with the two of them now I liked Blair early on and so does this feel unfortunate does it feel in character with him like we don't know him that well so I guess it well, does.
0: You know what? He was always a gift giver. And it makes you this episode makes you look back at that and think, huh. What were all those other gifts about? Um, you know, because that is a thing. Like was he always making up for other things with some of those gifts? It always came across as it was coming from a loving place and he was being a good boyfriend and he was really trying to draw Elena out of her shell. And there was a challenge element to her that he was trying to break through. And I wonder if some of those gifts we saw him give her in the past, you know, like the the record player and all that other stuff, was that on the back of something else he did? It makes me revisit all of it. We'll never know.
1: Yeah. And there's no indication, I think, of that at the time. Mm -hmm. And he is the person who calls her out and says, you know, your walls are up. I want in. And Mm -hmm. he's patient about it. And, you know, it it didn't come off as like I'm trying to conquer her Mm -hmm. at any point. But they certainly could have made the relationship with Tara Tara and and they're sympathetic you know they could have had them know each other before they could have had like a love at first sight they could have shown it from their perspective they could have had these agonizing conversations about what they were going to do and you know these like moments where they're holding back and you know they may have kissed because they can't not for this cosmic you know reason they can't not kiss each other but they're not going to sleep together and they're they're trying to figure it out. You know, they, they could have done all that because so many shows today do, and it is so exhausting. Uh-huh. And I just like the clean and simple here. It's mm-hmm. like, dude's cheating. He sucks. And mm-hmm. your friend's not that great. Like, <laughs> sorry, life sucks. Yeah.
0: And, you know, Elena cries on Felicity's shoulder, and that is – One of the things she named as a metric for true friendship, you know, to laugh with each other until your sides hurt, to cry with each other or to cry on your shoulder. Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of different things that she lists as like the boxes to tick for being a really good friend. She's just done one of those with Felicity. So, you know, she sees Blair and Tara together and she just breaks down. And, you know, it was one of the first times that you really see Elena just break down in that way and be sad. She's always so strong and here she was just having a night.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, I wanted to look at the other storyline. The, the third couple yes. to, that we're tracking here, which is Felicity and Noel. Well,
1: I think there's two couples here. We've got Felicity and Noel and we've got Felicity and Sensa. Or Noel and Sensa. Sorry. <laughs> Noel and Sansa um, yeah. as the faux couple.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Couple. This one is really a side mission of, an. you know, what I do like uh, with Felicity and Noel here is that we are starting to see some of the things that you had wished you were seeing. Uh, you might've even mentioned it the last episode where we're seeing Felicity and Noel just cutely reading together his mending machine handbook in, <laughs> in, in his room or they taking a nap together. Like those are some of the things that I think you kind of wished you had seen a little bit more of that stuff happening before they went boyfriend, girlfriend. Well, they're doing it now. Uh, we got there we well, a little out of order, I don't know, but we, we did it.
1: They, they are very comfortable around each other now, mm-hmm. which I enjoy because they're both still super awkward mm-hmm. and yet they're really comfortable <laughs> in their awkwardness and you know i i do have an award to give oh yes um it is for the most awkward sign of affection Mm -hmm. between two people and it is for felicity petting noel's sideburns (laughs) yes rewind and watch that again so that
0: She's
1: wasn't something it. that you were into? Um, no, that, that was not a sexy <laughs> moment for me. But huh. uh, but it is a sign of affection. She's just sitting there with her arm around him, just, you know, patting his sideburns.
0: Well, Felicity's still figuring it out. Yeah,
1: <laughs> she is. Noel doesn't,
0: doesn't know enough not her. to like it.
1: Apparently <laughs> not. Um, I guess maybe it's something new and and maybe that was not something he got from Hannah Mm -hmm. and uh, now he knows.
0: Yeah. Now he's in a whole new world of like, wow, getting my sideburns, but that's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. This
1: girl likes me. She Mm -hmm. likes me. Dear mom.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kissing a new woman now. Um, Oh boy. (laughs) Oh boy. Um, We're just really fueling a completely wrong (laughs) understanding, (laughs) which is fine. We can do whatever we want to on this. It's our podcast, guys. It's fine.
1: You do
2: it. Um, So,
0: so I also have an award, and this is for best first line from a character in an episode or specifically just this episode and that one's going to be from Richard because we wow. need to set up that we need new vending machines for one new vending machine and Richard's way to communicate that is that when Noel walks up to him and Richard's kicking in the vending machine in anger Noel's like what is up and Richard goes where <laughs> <That's> <laughs> So basically, that, if you were wondering, is the sound of a vending machine not releasing the thing that he paid
1: for. It it actually was. It was a good impression. Yeah, like that.
0: So, so Richard lets out that line, and then he basically gets across the point of his message, which was the vending machine isn't giving me the thing that I paid for, and noel now knows he has a mission must mm-hmm. get vending machines that drop the thing that you paid for.
1: <laughs> well and to be fair these are the new vending machines
0: but they were refurbished right we yes. established that they were refurbished and, and
1: they still don't work and richard just takes this as
0: confirmation that noel is still not fit to be an ra
1: which we have established is in fact true
0: yeah in a lot of different ways right uh, this is just one more uh, easy to spot way where you know Noel invests in vending machines that just flat out don't work.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, they work for one person.
0: They work for Ben. Yes, I love this. I love this. They keep playing with this. Like Noel is on his high horse. He is the he is the best he's ever been in life. These are his days. And in the last, was it the last episode where the stranger comes up to Ben while the two of them are having a conversation and gives only Ben an invite to an invite only party. And Noel's like, that would bother me. It kind of still does, but it doesn't. Uh, And and in this situation, Ben, you know, Ben is getting something from the vending machine. Noel feels that he has to warn him and he's running up to say, don't do it. And Ben is able to get his candy just fine.
1: It's not for him. But, uh, but Noel does comment. Yeah, I didn't see you as a, didn't think of you as a payday kind of guy.
0: He's like, Ben's like, you pictured me? Yeah. And Noel's like, what? No, 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 that's what I meant. I just no, need no. something to say. <laughs> ah, <laughs> that has always happened.
1: Ah, <laughs> yeah. So Ben walks away and Noel puts his own money in. And of course, the machine doesn't work for him.
0: Yeah, it's just the, the this is the life of Noel. Yeah. So Noel knows I need to sort this out. I need to get a vending machine, and we haven't seen her for a few episodes. But there's Sensa, yep. just lurking in the distance, but not the far distance, ready to save the day because she's got connections. Her family, Yuri, can get him access to a vending machine. It's easy. We'll do it the family way. Come, come to, come to our warehouse. We can make this happen for you.
1: Yeah, and all I've written for that whole scene is just. Yuri's back! Exclamation point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing Yuri
0: else. is for sure the most sensible one of all of them, but also very oh. offensive. Um, well, I don't know.
1: I mean, we'll talk about it a little later, but I don't know what his name is. There was another member of her family who seemed awfully sensible in this.
0: He might be named Leonid. I think that's the name that I heard. Um, right. The guy who's doing all that he always wants to arm Russell Noel. Yes. Yeah. yeah uh i love what they call him noel so so Noel, noel's on a mission now he has to go with sensa to see yuri which means Sensa's is going to drag him all the way to there where are they going brighton beach or i can't remember uh
1: i was going to write it down it starts with a b yeah
0: but well it's somewhere it's somewhere in the universe uh, going
1: somewhere and it's <laughs> what i did write down is it will be in a gypsy cap
0: that's how they'll get there. And they're going to end up in some sort of a warehouse where a whole bunch of census family members are just kind of in a pile, just, just talking about, actually they're talking about, I want to say, well, that comes up later, but they're, they're having conversations with each other huddled around one area. They see Sensa, and Sensa apparently What she's getting out of this situation is that she has told all of them that Noel is her boyfriend because she wants to get the men of her family off of her back. She doesn't want them worrying about her at school. So she's just going to call Noel her boyfriend and that's going to be what she gets out of all this.
1: Yeah. And I just love that zero people have respect for Noel because he says to her, what about my (laughs) self-respect? And she just turns around and says, you'll get it back in an hour and keeps walking. Yeah.
0: And she has concocted a whole story around how he saved her from a fire. And, you know, everybody is very excited about how heroic he is. Absolutely right. And um, And yeah, they welcome him.
1: Yeah. He feels very awkward about this at first kind of coming in and her father gives him this big hug and kisses on the cheek and says, you know, you saved her from a fire. You're a hero. And, and I was just like, oh, honey, you told him about that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> great, great. That's another story <laughs> I'll have to make up. Yeah, they welcome him in the only ways they know how, which is through vodka and sausage and arm wrestling. Yes. And uh, I believe it's Leonid, who mm-hmm. is the arm wrestler of the family. He calls Noel over. First thing he does is slams his arm to the ground, because that's one out of one, right? He's, he's already winning. Yeah. And then I love this line where he's yeah. trying to make Noel feel better. So he's like, let's do it again. And then he says, best, he says, best nine out of 10. And Noel's like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> best nine out of 10 is not actually a thing.
1: It's not. Uh, <laughs> it's not a thing at all. But I think it, what it means is this is going to go on for a while. And, uh,
0: this is why I love that we're watching this show in such detail, because as many times as I've seen this episode, I've never heard those lines with me <laughs> being like, best nine out of 10. And I was like, that's not, a, that, no, that, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, these are the little gems that you hear on your 47th watch
2: um, <laughs> or
0: whatever number I'm at at this point.
1: Well, so uh, here's the thing that I get out of this is okay, a couple of things. Do you listen to the music in the background for this? There are, just, there are a couple of things that I'm wondering about. So first of all, they are all sitting around drinking vodka and eating sausage. Mm-hmm. And Noel takes part in this. Gets very drunk and full of sausage. And there's, <laughs> in in two of the scenes, two of the major scenes, they're playing this like old American classic music like frank sinatra or it's not sinatra but it's uh, dean martin maybe and so here's here's my thing the whole the scenes are hilarious but i do wonder how culturally offensive they are Mm -hmm. because they seem pretty offensive um did we ever establish whether they speak Russian in Estonia or whether they are, in fact, Estonian or Russian?
0: So some of the words that they said were not with perfect Russian pronunciation. And I don't know but if, they if that's... They
1: were definitely Russian words. Mm. Now, when Senza is
0: walks in, Russian. Well, walks okay, in... When Senza walks in, she says, Papa Privyat.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's not actually how you pronounce that word
1: but that could just be the actress
0: it could be the actress is the thing yeah so i'm not sure if this was meant to be the russian language badly badly pronounced or if it was like they have a dialect that's different that they're speaking in and these are estonian people um because i see no reason why they would have had estonian chocolate at the party You know, if and not that, for that these seems people.
1: seems oddly specific.
0: Sure. <laughs> 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 I don't fault them for being oddly specific. I often think it's the oddly specific. That's so wonderful. I, I just don't know what quite to make of them in this scenario. Um, uh, I mean, on the one hand, I don't know how big an Estonian population there is in New York and I'm sure there's a sizable Russian population in New York. So I, I guess they're Russian, but like some of the words they said are not really quite right. So it
1: seems like they must be because we have this great thing called the internet. Mm -hmm. And so I just looked up what the Estonian language is and, uh, it's called Estonian Etsy, Mm E-E-S-T-I. And it says it's, uh, actually kind of, it's a, Language. So it's not it's not related to the Russian language. It's based on have
0: like the Cyrillic alphabet or anything like that.
1: Yeah. So they wouldn't have been saying uh Privat or Nastovia or any of that unless they were Russian. Mm -hmm. So it seems like there were they were Russian people who just very much enjoyed Estonian chocolate.
0: Mm-hmm. so you know the Estonian chocolate if you were thinking that had anything to do with their nationality maybe it was all just a red herring yeah okay fair enough well what we do establish after this is that uh Noel had a day and he goes back has sees Felicity and conveys to her what happened and then he has to do it all again tomorrow because Yuri wasn't even there because Sensa got a text from Yuri or a paged from Yuri within the first uh minute that they were there when they realized Yuri was never going to show up that day and yet Noel stuck it out that whole time so they're going to have to go back two hours yeah it was two hours
1: and seven sausages
0: yep seven sausages ago so that's uh, that is a unit of measurement in this case and Mm -hmm. uh which he was eating just directly off the fork um which is fine
1: I do that yeah
0: how else do you eat a sausage I guess you would have a knife
1: well okay but like <laughs> whether you're picking up a smaller piece of sausage or a larger piece of sausage you're still eating it directly off the fork
0: it's it's it's, it's I mean are, are sausages meant to be eaten like picking up an apple and biting directly into it like I like
1: uh, with your hand
0: well no I mean you know he had the he had the whole darn thing on a fork and then he just took a bite out of it I I no to.
2: problem
1: with this
0: okay okay listeners <laughs> <laughs> How the, do you the eat sausage? Reason,
1: yeah. The only reason that I would see a difference is if you're eating it with, with like red cabbage or sauerkraut, you might want to cut it so that you can get pieces of the sauerkraut or cabbage to stay on it
2: mm-hmm. and then eat
1: it. But if you're eating it with a mustard or you're eating it plain, why bother cutting it? Right. And and listeners, we do want to know how you eat your sausage, as Melissa just said, but please um, Validate do make Fish's answer.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: oh, you want you want X that, any, Yeah, any way you'd like to tell us about how you eat your sausage, um, feel free because I don't check the email account. Okay. It's <laughs> the <Melissa Fish laughs> at gmail.com. Okay, okay. Uh thanks for
0: making that happen, Fish. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes fish says things and my eyes just go wide. On yeah. my end of the screen here, and um, this yep. is you know,
1: hey, look, I was not the one who originally said, Please, listeners, tell us how you eat your sausage.
0: Well, just okay, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> who. So, <laughs> so, one of the things that I love is that when Noel is recounting all of this to Felicity, she's just she couldn't be jealous of the situation if she tried.
2: Nope,
0: <laughs> like. It tells you something, not just about the strength of their relationship, but the, just the patheticness of <laughs> what's going on here. Because she just, there are absolutely no girlfriend alarm bells raising here. She yeah. just feels like this poor sap. Yep.
2: <laughs> it's yep. so
0: great. Um, but when they go back to see Yuri again, so uh, Yuri is standing next to this beautiful new vending machine. He calls it the (laughs) 4,000. It's like digitized music. Oh my goodness. It's uh... as
1: cold food and Mm -hmm. it has an arrow points down.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, about as newfangled as technology for vending machines comes at that period of time. One of the things that I like, so Yuri gets down to business. He's just going to make this deal happen. He he knows already been through the paces of spending two hours eating seven sausages. He's done that. He just needs to go and get the vending machine and come to a deal and get out. And So Yuri's going to make this happen. But I, what something that I enjoyed, and I have no idea why they were doing this, but in the back in the background, you can hear the rest of the family off screen. Trying to pronounce the word microwave over and over <laughs> and over. You can hear them not go, microwave. That. Microwave. <laughs> and I just sat there thinking, why have I never heard this either? And what are they doing?
1: <laughs> I did not hear that. I I heard the music.
2: Uh-huh. And
1: maybe it was because I was a little distracted by you know, Yuri's lovely comparison mm. of the vending machine to a woman.
0: Mm-hmm. You, you give know? her money, you pull her knobs. Exactly.
1: Yipes. Yep. Love it. <laughs> and also the, um, what today would be considered very subtle product placement of just Pepsi all over the place.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. That was yeah. all over. Yep yeah, they do some product placement in this show, and then they just talk about generic microwaves sometimes, which is nice. Um, so there's that. But, you know, they get this deal done and and the the four thousand is going to be placed in the dorm. and mm-hmm. Noel is still gonna have a hard time getting the candy he wants.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, of course he is. Um, but but before they, They install it. Uh, Can you say what you think this other guy's name is again? I
2: can't pronounce it.
1: Leonid. Um, Leonid comes over and says, look, I know you guys aren't dating, but you're a really good friend to Sensa. So I'm not worried about her. Nobody else knows. Just between you and me, let's arm wrestle. I'll Mm -hmm. let you win this time. Mm -hmm. And then there's this wonderful arm wrestling moment where no wins the arm wrestling and is just super proud of himself
0: Mm -hmm. he doesn't want to go again
1: (laughs) he does not he does not want to go again
0: because in like one day he got that much stronger Mm -hmm. to beat the arm wrestling champion of the room
1: i mean maybe he was (laughs) practicing and we just didn't know
0: this is just this is this is their world, right? Leonid just goes around arm wrestling anybody he can find.
2: <laughs> well, I'm more You're talking about microwaves.:
1: in, <laughs> in Noel's world, where we think that he is you know, it seems like he's normal, ish, and yet his life is having his girlfriend pet his sideburns, mm-hmm. eating seven sausages, like losing at arm wrestling and um kissing his mom so like is it
0: that normal when you say it that way i mean he's special
1: They're, they're good for each other i think at this point i like their their just agreement to be awkward together and therefore everything is fine but what i do wonder is did he not learn from the fridge of independence like He is still saying to Felicity, I can rig the machines to give you extra. Mm -hmm. He's he's still trying to like give her stuff in a sketchy kind of way because of his fantastic RA powers. And Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I want to hear what Richard would have to say about that.
0: I feel like Richard would think he's not fit to be an RA at all. I agree. Oh, my. Well, I thought I'd drop in my note from an optimist this week, because to me, honesty was a vibe in this episode. And I want to say, you know, little white lies saying things to be kind. I don't know if that's all it's cracked up to be. I think that in this, in this, in these stories, I think it really called for honesty. And I think that if you've got Uh, a relationship that you want to grow stronger, I think that honesty is something that can make a relationship stronger because I think even if honesty brings you to deal with a conflict that you have that's under the surface, the dealing with it is what helps you can get to a better place if the relationship can get to a better place. So I like that what we were seeing in this episode was, you know, even if people's initial instinct was to hide something or to, um, not to give the full truth that most of them came around to honesty and it, it worked out better for them in the end. And, you know, being able to have those transparent conversations was a sign of something better to come. So I don't know, I'm a, I'm a believer in having honesty. And especially if you want the relationship to go somewhere, if you think there's a future for it, you know, how do you get there when you just start Hiding things and piling lies on lies with people.
1: I appreciate that you feel that way. And I'm going to be honest, I would say I disagree. Oh um, my gosh.
0: <laughs> Fish is lying. Like, no Not surprising. only do I disagree, I've lied to you seven times in this episode, the same number of times as sausages.
1: That ate sausage.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: Um, I just, I feel like, and and I also think there is a difference in the way that people define the word truth Uh so there's there's like the harshest possible way you could tell somebody something and then there is like softening the truth which I think is a nice thing to do and is a compassionate thing to do you do not always have to provide like the harshest way to say something. And yet I have been called out in the past for, you know, that sort of softening of the truth is kind of considered the white lie. And if that is what we're talking about as kind of white lies, then I would say that is, you know, a way that many people, not all people, but many people, you know, get on with their daily lives and have good relationships because you don't have time to just always have these deep long let's fully understand each other let's go through everything and work on our relationship all the time kind of relationships um sometimes you just they ask how their ass looks and you're like great honey you know it, it i think little white lies are fine Uh, I think lying about big stuff like cheating is not. Um, And I just don't think they really hurt anyone. And I also think there's a difference. Like some people really believe that omitting information is lying, right? Like a lie of omission. Mm -hmm. And my thing is sometimes you just need to stay out of it. Mm -hmm. Like Felicity in this case, had she... Wanted to stay out of it, you know, could have just walked out of the room when Mm -hmm. Alina pulled her in to have this conversation. She could have just said, Look, this is not my problem. Mm -hmm. I am friends with you. I don't want to put that in jeopardy. I'm leaving. And I don't think that would have been a lie. But other people don't feel that way.
0: Yeah. Well, first of all, I think we define white lie a little differently because I think. Uh, I see a difference between telling somebody something that isn't true to make them feel better versus telling them something that is true, but doing it in a delicate way. I don't see those two things as the same. I think that you can be honest without being abrupt about it. And I think you can be honest with as much an effort to be delicate about the truth as possible. So I think that we have a, a slightly different definition there.
1: Well, Well, I I... agree with you on that. I completely agree with you. But what what I'm saying is I have been in relationships or in friendships with people where I have been called out on that and they have been really upset because I consider putting something delicately to be a kind thing to do and they consider it a lie. So it is Hmm, not a universally held belief.
0: Yeah. Well, this is just a note from an optimist from my point of view, right? Like, for example, I think that in the situation, if it were me, if I had been Felicity and I saw Blair and Tara kissing before I knew who Tara was, I would have told Elena.
1: But would you have told her with Tara sitting there? Because I, I would like have told her
0: before that ever happened. Like, cause there was, there, there was this window of time when Felicity knew had ha- what had happened and because she was following Noel's advice, she did nothing about it. And so it wasn't, you know, it was later that she meets Tara at the cafeteria and then it was even after that, that Blair she gets called into the trial you know and you know they they're all in the room together I don't think that moment was the situation to tell the truth I think before that moment was the time that I would have told Elena like I would have gone back to her and been like Elena um I just I saw something and I just want you to know what happened um
1: I don't think we know how much time has passed because at least at least the order of my notes are Felicity sees Blair and not Elena. Felicity talks to Noel. Felicity and Elena are in the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. So it seemed to me that that was the next time she saw her.
0: Yeah, but I think if you've got something like that to share, you can also seek the person out. And if she got interrupted in that moment, I think I would have tried to approach Elena again. I mean this is just thinking about how I would have handled something like that. And at the end of the day, Is it hurtful to Elena to have that information? Yeah, but you know, that's the real situation that's happening. And if you have, if I had knowledge of it, first of all, there's a chance that if Blair saw Felicity, like he could have outed himself anyway, thinking that Felicity would. So you could get caught in that afterwards. You know, like with Elena being like, oh, you didn't, you didn't say anything, but you saw it. Blair told me you saw it like, oh yeah, he did. That's my bad. Mm -hmm. Um, I I wouldn't want to be in that situation. I would rather be upfront with somebody and say, look, and deliver it as delicately as possible. Like, look, I I can't be a hundred percent sure, but I'm pretty sure. And I just want you to be aware that this, this is what I think I saw. And I'm really, really sorry. And if there's anything I can do, just let me know. And then let them figure out what they're going to do with that information, right? Not everybody handles that same information the same way. So it's ultimately Elena's choice then. But she was completely disempowered in this situation from doing anything about it because she wasn't being told what was going on. At the end of the day, the way they painted this picture, Blair was bad news. You know, he, he, there was nothing redeemable about this story for him and, you know, Elena deserved better.
1: Bad Tin Man.
0: Bad. Bad Tin Man.
1: Well. Um, well, I would just say, I think it depends on the length and seriousness of the relationship. I think for me, in the case of Elena and Blair, yeah, I would have told them. it also depends on, like, who the other person is. And I feel like Elena is the type of person that wants to know in the end. I mean, it did not take her long to, uh, to internalize this information and, you know, come back and sort of apologize to Felicity. Not really. Um, but when you get to the point of people have been dating for years and, you know, or they're married to me, it's, it, you know, it, it may just not, be my place. I I don't understand marriages.
0: Yeah. I guess it depends. Here's, here's what I'm going to say to you fish as my friend. Uh, (laughs) if you have a red flag about somebody in my life and you don't tell me that's a problem between you and me, that's how I would see it. Not everybody would see it that way. So you have carte blanche. If you, if you feel like there's a red flag, no matter how far in, because I remember I was dating somebody for a while. And after I broke up, there were a couple of people who were like, yeah, I never felt good about him. It's like, what, why are you telling me that now? <laughs> like, hmm. It actually made me totally distrust those people. And I was like, okay, so I can't actually take anything that you say it's about you. <laughs> so you were just like really happy for me to run into what you saw as a burning building. (laughs) Like what is this relationship? (laughs) So I don't know. I guess everybody has a different place that they stand with it. Um, But I am giving you the green light. Deliver the information, please. Thank you. (laughs) Uh,
1: And that's, that's what comes of knowing the other person. Uh If you know the other person always wants the information, then give it to them. If you think that they may commit murder and then be locked up in jail, maybe don't give them the information.
0: Well, that's, I guess, a judgment call, huh? (laughs) 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 Like either they're going to be fully supportive or they're going to go the homicide route. (laughs) And then you've got a mess on your hands, my friend. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to cause that. Well, I want to know what you have to think about what Sally said.
1: Um, I mean, it's not what I think. It's what I know. It's what
0: you know. It's what you know. know So we're now in our, what Sally said, what Sally Sally meant segment. I'll tell you what she said. Fish knows exactly what she meant. So here we go. Dear Felicity, at the risk of completely destroying your image of me,
1: Which I know is that I'm perfect and I am most of the time.
0: I cheated on John once.
1: Stop that. Stop looking at me with those big wide innocent eyes of yours.
0: It was six months into our relationship.
1: You're judging me. I can tell you're judging me. I can feel you judging me from thousands of miles away.
0: It was an ex-boyfriend. And halfway into it, I suddenly remembered why we broke up in the first place.
1: He had a micropenis.
0: Hmm. And why I loved John so much. John
1: does not.
0: The thing is, John never would have found out about it.
1: And yes, there are so many other things that make John great. Like his big heart and huge intellect and absolutely gigantic love of friends and family.
0: Except after three months, I couldn't take the guilt anymore and I told him.
1: And his ability to forgive. Although I I think it may have been easier after I mentioned the micropenis.
0: I never used to believe an affair could do anything but destroy a relationship.
1: If our positions had been reversed, I don't know what I would have done.
0: But from that moment on, I never lied to him again, not even about the smallest thing.
1: Pun intended. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. Sometimes in a relationship, going through hell isn't so bad if you come out of it a little stronger.
1: I don't know if I would have had the strength to trust him again.
0: I guess the same is true about friends. Then
1: again, how much would he have really been able to do with a micro vagina?
0: Hmm. You know. (laughs) (laughs) Do I? Do I know? Fish, you always shock me.
1: I mean. I shock you? Yeah. How did I shock you? I just wow (laughs) (laughs) you mean you really had no idea what Sally was thinking I mean I I can honestly
0: say I had no clue I think uh my oh my my oh my oh my I'm blushing so okay You,
1: you knew the pun intended was coming
0: yeah, that one I saw. I saw that coming my away. That one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Once I saw where you had to put that. Oh boy. <laughs> um so having said all that, I thought I'd read some listener feedback in our after you listen to this tape, you have to erase it segment. We heard a little something from our friends at the at wait what podcast account on Instagram. And they said. Elena was the best. She handled everything like a boss. When she caught her boyfriend cheating with her best friend and she went off on them, I was like, yes, queen. Yeah. yeah. There's still a little bit more to come with like wrapping this part up, but it's, um, I like Elena's instincts here. She's not listening to the nonsense.
1: I mean, we didn't actually hear her go off on him. I'm hoping that's coming in the next episode.
0: Yeah, there's a little bit more to come from this, but I think she's setting some very clear limits and she, and I like that she's doing that. She's not trying to explain this to herself. I mean, for a moment she did, right? For a moment, it's like, oh, Tara's my best friend. Like she was with me with my mom and my mom was dying But this. This is an important relationship in my life. And for a moment she wanted to hang on to it. And then she really quickly did what Elena does and is just sort of matter of fact about it. And she's logical about it. And she's looking and thinking, you know what? <laughs> I don't need this. Um, you guys are lying. That's it. And I think she is putting some, you know, a really hard line down about this. Yeah, and she's I mean- aggressively seeking information about it too. She's not just trying to brush it under a rug.
1: No, I did like how she dealt with that even though as Felicity, I probably would have walked away. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she, one of the things that I really like about her is that she has a lot of respect for herself and yeah. she is confident and she just moves through the world, you know, it kind of without apology
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, mm-hmm. I just really appreciate that because I think that we don't often get female characters uh, that are like that that don't sort of say they're sorry a lot or are really, you know, indecisive or need to be kind of led around, especially at that age.
0: Yeah, and I was she just knows that.
1: what. Yeah, and she knows what she wants, and she's going after it. And she knows her values, and yet she's also willing to change and change her perspective, which is a very hard thing to do Like when she takes the scholarship money. So I think she is someone I would have looked up to Mm -hmm. at that age and, frankly, still do. Mm -hmm. I mean...
0: Yeah. I love what she shows us. And I think, you know, you were saying like, you don't see that from a lot of characters. I would go even further and say, I didn't see a lot of people, like real humans that I knew at that age doing that. um, And being like that in the world, I think that she has vulnerability and she also has standards and Mm -hmm. she, she She really expects to to be able to live up to it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure does um <laughs> yeah I I'm glad for the 20 year old and the teen me that I saw this character and kind of wish I would have been able to unpack it a little bit more then. you know like to be able to have this level of depth of conversation about this show at that age might have uh, allowed for some learning opportunities a little earlier, but there was a person or two in my life who had this sort of effect on me at that age. And it was so, so important to have that. I really needed that for my own development, uh, to ha- to start meeting, uh, peers, w- women, peers who were able to have that kind of a confidence and help me have it in myself was really valuable so I love that we're seeing it in the show with Elena and really with Megan too
1: yes who we have not mentioned
0: sleeps butt naked yeah we didn't get anything from her in this episode except mention of her but we always get something valuable mm-hmm. <laughs> yep oh my yep. well a character. what did you think of this episode overall fish how would you rate this one
1: so, I liked it. I mean, overall, I thought the stuff with uh yuri and and Senza was funny, although again, I'm not sure whether it's also offensive. I think it might be. Mm-hmm. so let us know um i I really enjoyed kind of being able to delve into the relationship with Ben and Julie. It did leave me with a lot of questions, but I came out of that thinking their relationship was stronger than ever Mm
2: -hmm. because
1: they were able to have a hard conversation and to have emotional reactions, him leaving, her snapping at him, and yet still come together, apologize, be together in the end. So, And I did think that he was very supportive and I'm still seeing good things coming from him. Mm-hmm. And then we've got this quirky couple in the middle. Just, you know, we've got, I love, I love the awkward together moments. Um, and then, I, you know, I, the one thing that I, I'm still having a lot of trouble buying is there was zero setup for Blair cheating on Elena. Mm-hmm. It, it just came out of nowhere, and I I guess I like the way that they dealt with it. I like the way Elena dealt with it, like the questions it opened up for Felicity, but it certainly wasn't set up in any way, shape, or form. It yeah. went from Blair is a great guy who's supporting her and bringing her out of her shell and this, that, the other, to random friend who's her best friend shows up in New York and starts making out with her boyfriend and- in the library mm-hmm. um so I, i'm gonna have to ding it a little bit for that because that was a major <laughs> plot point um so i would give this one like a 7.5 gloves out of 10 if anyone remembers i rated gloves
2: mm-hmm hmm
0: yeah. You raised some very good points there. I'll tell you my rating first. So I rated this one in vending machines. You know what, when you've got oh. something this obvious staring you in the face, you got to go with it. Wait, so wait,
1: wait, but which vending machines, like the old ones, the refurbished ones or the 4,000?
0: I'm going to go with the 4,000 on this one.
1: <sighs> Top line. All right. Yuri's yeah. vending machines.
0: Um, I'm giving this one a 6.9 out of 10. Or some of the same things that you've cited this storyline with Blair and Tara, you know, yeah, I can sit here and say now that we know some of his tendencies, it makes me revisit his past episodes and scenes and see, oh, he was always gift giving. What, what, what was he doing in the background? Like, the, it makes me look more suspiciously at what we saw earlier, but they didn't actually give us anything to telegraph this or to set it up. And I don't think we're ever going to see Tara again. (laughs) So uh, like, if I remember correctly, we don't see her again. So they brought her in for an episode. They had a lot to take care of with this episode and this girl who transferred in, did she just transfer back out? Are they just never see like, what happens? (laughs) Like, I, I think it's like, we needed this story And it's almost like it was a total bottle episode, but isn't, but was, had to be because they only gave this episode, this, this story, one episode in this form, there will be a little bit of dealing with the aftermath in the next episode, but like it, it it is, it just does feel like, oh, we want to do this. (laughs) And they just put it into this episode and called it a day. So, I think there is a, a bit of story construction here that's bothering me about it. I like what they were trying to say to us, but I think that they did it lazily and they didn't set it up very well and they, or at all. And then they're going to like off road from it real quick. Um, so, it's, um, yeah, that's where the 6.9 comes from on this. I like some of the things they were trying to get across. Uh, I also feel like, you know, Th- there's that. And then there's the fact that like we've been talking about the Julie and Ben stuff feels like I'm waiting in the ocean. <laughs> like, I'm like, what? what's <laughs> happening here? Exactly. I'm really glad you and I got a chance to talk about it and help each other find th- some threads in that story. But if you combine the fact that I was a little lost in myself and my thoughts for that part of the story. And then also confused by how quickly we got into the Blair stuff. It's um, yeah, it it feels like an episode that comes out of nowhere.
1: Yeah. I mean, what I'm taking away from this is that you and I need to go visit the ocean so I can explain to you how that works. Ah. You should not be so lost (laughs) when hanging out at the beach. Fair enough. Especially for someone who lives like near the coast in California.
0: It's very true. I'm right there, like 15 minutes from it. Well, so we have, we have posed a lot of questions to you all here today and we would love to get your feedback on anything we've asked or anything we didn't that you just want to tell us. Uh, if you want to connect with us, you can send your feedback to themelissafish at gmail.com, like Fish mentioned earlier. That's Melissa with one L, two S's, themelissafish at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at Felicity Podcast. And if you are interested to get an email when we drop our new episodes, we send out a newsletter every time we drop out a new episode. So you can sign up for that. Uh, you can find that link in your, the show notes. So just go ahead and check that out and you can be informed when there's new material coming out because the next one is going to be an interesting ride. We're starting our next two-parter and we are going to get Todd Mulcahy part one.
1: (sighs) I'm so excited. Okay. So I, I have no idea who Todd Mulcahy is. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't remember anything. You know that. Um, But there is an account on Instagram called Todd Mulcahy, and Melissa has been explaining to me since we have connected with this person, how amazing this, I guess, account name is. And I'm
0: convinced it's the real Todd Mulcahy. It's Todd underscore Mulcahy on Instagram. And this person, I'm going to shout them out because whoever you are, you have... I'm going to throw it down and say the most detailed encyclopedic knowledge of all of Felicity that I have ever seen. Uh, and we have been having conversations only in Felicity details, like the most minute ones.
1: <laughs> that is the highest compliment.
0: I have been blown away.
1: Coming from Melissa. <laughs> So I am so excited to now be able to share in the joy that is whatever happens in these next two episodes.
0: Yeah, I basically refused to explain to Fish who Todd was.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't understand. I don't remember. Did never knew there was someone named Todd Mulcahy in uh, in the show.
0: Mm-hmm. I did this not is seem a like relatively a main deep character. Cut. Yes. <laughs> Oh, the episodes are so, so weird and so great.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah. yeah. I don't know what you're going to think of them, Fish. <laughs> I have no clue. But we're going to watch either. it and we're going to talk about it starting next week. Todd Mulcahy, part one. Sounds like a plan. So is there anything else you wanted to mention, Fish, before we wrap for today?
1: Nope. I think I
0: got it all out. All right. We did it. We did it folks. We did it all together and I guess that's it. So until next time fish, don't hook up with Ben while I'm gone. I'm a fish. Bye.
1: Bye everyone.